0: When God embarked upon bringing us one of the most incredible miracles and stories in all the Bible, Israel being delivered from their Egyptian slavery, the means that he does things by really makes us all scratch our heads. We see that Israel felt this way in the wilderness, they are continuously complaining about how things are going, because just about everything that is happening is happening in a way that they would have never done it themselves. And a lot of the complaining is actually directed towards this leader that God has put over them, this guy called Moses and Israel really they don't consider Moses a strong vessel, someone that they would have probably elected if it wasn't a democratic election on who was going to lead them. In fact, even Moses himself, before anything began, doubted this. He said, God, why are you choosing me? I am not a good choice. But God responded in frustration to Moses. Moses, did I not make you, did I not make the blind, the mute, the deaf? Can I not make you speak? Can I not empower you in all that you feel you are weak in? And Moses inevitably goes ahead to become a leader and Aaron becomes the speaker. But yet, as the story goes, Israel starts falling into the same trap that Moses did just deeper. You see, when God comes and he delivers Israel from Egypt by the great wonders, the spreading of the Red Sea, they have all witnessed his glory. They've all witnessed his power, his ability to 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 bend the laws of nature. But then we come to. One of one person that the Bible zooms in on for a brief moment. Someone who is who has rarely ever been talked about. Miriam, you see, Miriam was in the beginning there with Moses when Moses was a baby. Miriam is there. And as he's pushed down the river, Miriam is there and Miriam witnesses from afar. And Miriam intervenes to make sure that Moses as a baby is delivered. Miriam, when she passes through the Red Sea and the, the 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 walls of the ocean open up for them. She's the one who becomes Israel's first worship leader to sing the song of Moses, as we know it today, praising God for that great deliverance. But then what happens at the end of Miriam's life, we see that Miriam is but a footnote. We read, for example, in Numbers 20, verse one, the people of Israel, the whole congregation came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month and the people stayed in Kadesh and Miriam died there and was buried there. How can Miriam, who is one of the most important figures in the story, a prophetess of God end her story with a passing mention of her death in an unrelated verse? How can her life end in a place without glory? Leaving behind nothing but a passing unfortunate legacy. You see, when we look at the last time that Miriam was mentioned before her death is described, we start understanding what went wrong. And it paints a dire warning for us all regarding how God can use us powerfully throughout our life. But yet in a moment of being tempted by Satan, in a moment of allowing jealousies to overtake us in a moment where we allowed the enemy, just like Adam and Eve, to come in and speak words. And we let that seed of the enemy come into our hearts in a moment, even though we can be led by God powerfully, in our past, it can in a moment be that we throw it all away. And this is what happened to Miriam. We see in Numbers 12, verse one, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite women whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman, And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. See, Miriam and Aaron actually bring up two different accusations that are quite unrelated to help prop up their argument against Moses. First, they accuse him of marrying a Cushite woman, very much an issue of their own personal preference, because, of course, a Cushite woman was likely a black woman and a woman who was of another nation, who was not an Israelite native born. And the second argument they bring up is that, well, why is Moses special we we're all We can all be leaders. we can all do what Moses is doing and it's for me so interesting that in the story, it seems as if everyone who who wanted to have Moses' role did not have Moses' role. And the very person who never wanted Moses's role was Moses, who got his role. You see, what Aaron and Miriam did not understand is that they shouldn't really have wanted what Moses had, because it's not something to be greatly desired. You see, the book of James writes to us in James chapter three, verse one. He says you, you should not all become leaders, for you should know that they will be judged more strictly. But Miriam had no fear of God. And so she thought, well, I can do what Moses did. And me and Aaron, we we can be in Moses's shoes. But then God shows up and responds to this. And what he says is, is Miriam. Aaron, I speak to Moses. Unlike I speak to anyone else to Moses, I speak face to face. Are you not afraid of speaking against Moses? God is saying, I have a relationship with Moses where I will sort Moses out. I am the judge of Moses. Moses has been elected by me. I know Moses is weak. But do you not see that I am strong? Do you not see that I have power? Do you not see that I have the power to even work through Moses? Do you not trust that I have chosen whom I have chosen and that I have a plan? Do you not have faith? But instead, you want to put your faith in yourself. You want to trust that you can do a better job at leading Israel than Moses is, even though you ought to know that I my spirit is in him, empowering him, and I'm even speaking to him face to face. Who are you? What God is really trying to show us here is that he is going to be judging leaders. And we if we wanted to judge leader that he has elected, well, you can go ahead, but be careful in your judgment and make sure that it is righteous in every single way and that you do not have something in your own eye. Because ultimately, Miriam was not actually judging Moses. What she was doing is judging God for electing Moses, judging God's ability to use Moses to work through Moses and lead Israel. See, what we as people want is we want leaders whom we like. When we look at who people vote for in politics, the one of the biggest problems is that we tend to vote for people we like. But sometimes what we need as a leader is not someone necessarily who we like, as in we love what they say all the time. But sometimes we need someone who will tell us what we don't want to hear. Sometimes we need a leader who will be willing to say things, even though he knows we will hate him for it, because that's what a godly leader does. A leader like Moses, who is not going to bend the knee like Aaron did to build a golden calf for the people and appease them. Instead, a leader like Moses, who would say, Lord, have mercy on these people. They are wicked. If you want to take them out, blot my name out of the book of life too. a leader who is uncompromising in their walk before the Lord. And see, then we tend to want to really judge that leader. We tend to really want to get rid of them for leading us into this terrible wilderness that we have found ourselves, even though that wilderness was all by God's design to get Egypt out of us, because sometimes what we need is not more lemons and and melons and cake and sweeties. But sometimes what we need is the manna that doesn't seem to be as appeasing to our flesh. God is not there to entertain your flesh. He is there to challenge you because he wants you to grow spiritually and he will, by his Holy Spirit and grace towards all of us, raise leaders who we may seem as unqualified, but ones who will challenge us to become all we can in Christ. But now there's something I want you to notice about how God responds to Miriam and what she is saying to Moses. You see, Miriam brings up this questioning of Moses's authority as being elected by God as this leader and God addressed that. But interestingly enough, God does not actually verbally address anything else that Miriam brought up. When Miriam brought up the Cushite wife of Moses, the black wife of Moses, this foreigner whom Moses has married, God is silent to that accusation. You see, God does not even find it worth his time to address our opinions. When we have an opinion regarding someone based off their gender, because they're a woman based off their ethnicity, based off their what nation they're from, God considers that null and void and a disgrace for us to even raise it. God wants us. To not even, if we are the, the one who this is being brought up to, like towards Moses and his wife, he does not want us to even waste a moment of those accusations. Oh, God can't use this woman because she is a woman. That's definitely something that we have heard a lot, isn't it? Or God can't use this person because look at what color skin they have. Or God can't use that person because, well, look at what nation they have come from. We need to be careful. You see how God responds to this accusation was not verbally. Instead, he places a plague on Miriam as Miriam criticized the color of the skin of Moses' wife as being too dark. God comes and lightens the skin of Miriam. As he places a curse, a disease upon her. So God comes and he says, You you want her skin to be whiter, Miriam? Well, let me make your skin as white as snow. But then we could say, Well, well putting like something like a leprosy upon Miriam for this simple like accusation against Moses, does that not seem like a little bit too severe? Until you start understanding really how serious this sin of Miriam was. Because, see, it's easy for us to say, oh, that judgment is too severe. And it's usually when we say that, it's usually because we don't actually understand how severe the offense was. Like when we try to make excuses for adulteries. And we say, oh, oh, to think about stoning an adulterer, you know, in the Old Testament, it sounds so severe. It's actually because you don't understand how severe the sin of adultery is. You don't perceive it the same way God does. You don't you you have watered it down. To something that is so light and whatever that any kind of horrific judgment upon it that would match the crime seems out of place to you. But to God and in his eyes, he institutes a death penalty for it. And in the same way today, here in this story, God institutes a penalty of leprosy. And it is actually only because of Moses who comes and says, God have mercy on her. That God says, I will lighten it to only seven days. God actually has mercy, which lightens what Miriam deserves in terms of justice. But why? What is so serious about this crime of Miriam? Because just like the leprosy, this contagious disease that Miriam would receive from as a plague. That is how her words were. They were as a contagious disease upon Israel. Because when you start reading the rest of the story, chapters on, you come across this rebellion of Korah. And we talked about that a little bit last week, have we not? And in the story of Korah, Korah, if you read carefully, comes with the same words of Miriam. Korah, in fact, is in, was inspired by what Miriam said on this day. For example, we see Miriam says, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us all also? And then we read Korah speaking in number 16, 3 saying to them, you have gone too far. For all in the congregation are holy, Moses, every one of them and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord? So we see Korah heard the words of Miriam, and then that planted a seed in his heart that started growing slowly but surely, a, a seed of rebellion. Against the leadership that God has instituted. This idea that, well, we can do a better job than Moses can. And as Korah realized, well, I'm more charismatic, I'm a better speaker, I can do a better job, Korah raised a rebellion of people who stood with him. And as the story goes, the earth opens up, Korah and the others fall into that pit. And what does the rest of Israel do? You see, it's not just Korah and his little rebellion who got influenced by Miriam's words. But this idea spread like leprosy in the camp and the rest of Israel. When Korah received the judgment, complained and said to God, Moses, how have you killed them? How could you allow this to happen to our, our dear Korah? And God gets angry because of their complaining and grumbling and rebellion against Moses, whom God instituted. And God brings a plague also now upon 14000 others in Israel who died. You see, Miriam's words. It wasn't just something that was going to cause her and Aaron to have a bad idea, it spread. And 14,000 plus people ended up dying because of it, because they believed that bad fruit, that seed, that word of Satan that came through Miriam. See, brothers, sisters, our words are so serious before the Lord. Like he there has been times throughout your Bible that he has struck people with leprosy. He has struck them with heart attacks. He has poured fire upon them. He has opened up the ground underneath them and made them fall into it. His judgments have been real in terms of the tongue of men. When men have not been able to put a tame on their tongue, to audit their hearts and minds about what they say, There has been judgment upon them because God realizes that it is the tongue that sets a light like the fires of hell upon the earth that allows people to enter beliefs that are at enmity with Christ. We receive hearts of unbelief and we fall into all kinds of disasters because we believed and listened to the wrong voices. My question to you as this day is what kind of words come out of your mouth? What do you speak to other people who are suffering in wildernesses when they are open and vulnerable to the voice of the enemy? You see, when you, we are in a wilderness, we are vulnerable. That is why when Yeshua was in the wilderness, Jesus fasted because he knew that the enemy was going to come at him when he's in the wilderness. And what does the enemy do? The enemy tempts him with all kinds of things. He says, He wants some bread. You want to get something to eat to break that fast, you want to bow down before me, I'll give you the oh, everything your heart desires. You see, just like Israel's in the wilderness, he's in the wilderness. But because of his fasting and prayer and intimacy with the father, he's able to actually use the word of God lawfully. But in fact, Israel, because they have no relationship like Yeshua has of his father. And then we see that they are so vulnerable that they just fall into all kinds of traps and lies and deceits of the enemy. And they failed the test. They just want to be fed. They just want everything that their flesh desires. And what God has is never enough for them. See, as Israel bows before Satan in the wilderness, Yeshua have Satan bow before him, because Yeshua does not give in. And he says, Get behind me, Satan. I remove your power from you because God has given me authority over all of your works and I will not let my flesh be appeased by you. Instead, I will live by the spirit and the words, the manner of the father that is enough to sustain me. But now I want you to see something deeper regarding what God is trying to tell us here. You see, we read in Numbers 20 how Israel is now continuing their complainings. They go and they say, oh, No, there is no water in the congregation and they assembled against Moses and Aaron. Why have you made us come out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? And it is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. And as Israel complains this time, God actually doesn't do anything in terms of judgment upon Israel, even though this is not the first time they've complained. And even though there's been judgment because of their complaining before, this time God is he's, he's not judging yet and Moses comes to God and says God what are we going to do? And the Father says, "Well, I want you to go speak to the rock and it will bring forth water for them." But as we know the story goes, Moses goes to the rock. He strikes it twice and water comes out. But yet he did not speak to it as God told him to. And Moses actually goes forth and he says, Here now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? Moses, in his anger and frustration at the rebellious hearts of Israel and their grumblings against him, he strikes the rock. He doesn't do what God told him to do. And he misrepresents the father before everyone, because the father actually chose in this moment to show them mercy. But Moses did not show them the same image of mercy that the father had for them. And this misrepresentation, this mistake that Moses had once, this grumbling that Moses made the first time ever that we see is enough to cost Moses almost everything. You see, Israel have been complaining multiple times leading up to this throughout the journey. But Moses complains once and God comes to him and he says, because of this, he says in number 2012, because you didn't believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people. Therefore, you shall not bring them into the land that I have given them. This incredibly strict judgment upon Moses for making this mistake that Israel has made hundreds of times before is just another picture of how God is saying, look, I will judge those leaders that I have appointed more strictly You see, who are you, Miriam, to judge Moses when he has this on his shoulders, this responsibility that I have given him and the fact that he walks before me and he knows that I'm going to judge him if he makes a mistake. This is the burden that leaders and teachers and prophets of all types carry. And this does not mean that they are out of reach to be judged. We ought to judge inside the body when our leaders fall. Don't get me wrong, but when we do, we have to be so careful that our judgment is righteous because oftentimes the judgment upon leaders actually comes from the same heart that Miriam had, a heart that was jealous of the position of Moses. If we judge from that heart, We will be the ones who are judged by the Father. We will be judged with leprosy as we tried to bring leprosy into the camp. You see, ultimately, Miriam and Aaron did not really understand what they were asking when they said, well, we can be leaders. Korah, when he said, well, we are all holy, we can all do what Moses is doing, none of them understood that they were actually asking for God to put upon them the same responsibility and burden and judgments that Moses would receive. You see, brothers and sisters, the reality is, is that we ought to not desire what Moses had. Entering any ministry had to be done with such incredible fear of God, a trembling, a a, God, I don't want to do this. A, a God, I, I, I really don't. I'm so afraid of this role because I have a fear of you that is so great and so heavy. Oh, Lord, if possible, let this pass for me. But if not, if you if this is what you're calling me to, if this is what you want for my life, then God, let it be. I am a willing, sacrificial vessel before you. But see, brothers, and sisters, the problem is, is that few people. Even few believers have the kind of fear of God that is necessary for them to walk out this in fear and trembling. And that is why there are few people chosen like Moses in this world to lead a people like Moses led. And God is raising people who are spiritual leaders. He's doing so all the time. But the question is, do you desire it like Miriam? Or do you not desire it like Moses did not? Because ultimately, everything that has been written down in this story has been given to us as an example. Paul wrote and he said, we should not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 9. See, brothers and sisters, what so often can happen is that we get hurt by people who were leaders because either they had sin or we had sin and we couldn't receive correction. And if this happens and we grow hard hearted against the idea of leadership, thinking that, well, we can all do it like Miriam said, like Aaron said, like Korah and his rebellion said. You see, this is the voice of the enemy that says, well, God doesn't we don't need leaders. God doesn't raise leaders who put you up there. Who put that leader up there? Because ultimately, God does raise leaders. It is his design. It is the way he has always and will always do things. Even in Matthew five, our Messiah proclaims that there will be a greatest and a least in the kingdom of heaven. And so we see that this this hierarchy that the father puts in place is something that is to be respected. That is something that is to be tread upon with fear and trembling by those both who are in that leadership, as well as by those who desire to criticize that leadership. Because ultimately, here's the, the thing that we can all take comfort in. Is that if there is a leadership that is corrupt, if there is a leadership that is abusing what God has given them, if there is some sort of a leadership causing destruction upon God's kingdom, God will judge them as he judged Moses. We see it today in the Catholic Church, how it's being judged for centuries of sins of pedophilia and other sexual sins. We we, there are many such examples that are being exposed in this day that I'm sure you can think about many spiritual leaders that were highly respected for many years being exposed by no one. But the father, you could see he's doing it. And so we can trust him and know that he will judge those more harshly. The day we will all stand before the father, but there will be some who stand before him who the hammer will come down on more harshly. And so because of that, you see, brothers, sisters, if you are such a leader, if you are such a person, listen to me. If you are to enter a role like that and you know it, then listen to me. You ought to be understanding that the role that is in front of you is the most dangerous place that any human being can live that if you are being entrusted with the souls of men, that God will not let you off without fire. If you abused that position. If you compromised the message or if you ruled over men either way, God will come down hard on any abuse of power. And at the same time, brothers and sisters, I want to submit to you we need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for Satan to not overtake them. We need to pray for them to be protected from that voice of the enemy. And we need to make sure that we do not play the hand of the enemy upon the earth when it comes to leaders. But that when we come and criticize which we have a right to do, that our judgments are righteous always and never from a heart. Of jealousy. Father, I pray for all leaders and people who you have raised. Lord, I pray that you would put the fear of God back into men. Lord, I I believe, Father, that our body of Christ is so lacking in the fear of you in the Western world. They do not have any idea of who you are anymore. Oh, God. And Lord, I pray, Father, that they would get the fear of God back into their hearts so that they would be careful as they walk out their lives before you. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would put into us what Miriam needed. I pray, Lord, that you would put into us what Korah needed. A fear of you. Lord, I pray Lord, that you would come and restore back to your people this trembling around your word and righteousness and the presentation of the gospel and evangelism and prophecy and words of knowledge. Lord, I pray your spirit would move, but as your spirit moves that we would walk in fear and trembling around the holiness of your Holy Spirit. Father, for you are holy, you are set apart. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would make us set apart the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me here today. If this has blessed you, subscribe to this channel. And I want to say a special thank you to our partners who have made this video and every other video this month possible. Many blessings and shalom.